Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive. It is powerful. It is like a double-edged sword, Lord, and it cuts through bone and marrow, exposing all the hidden things in our heart. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that within this context of family, Lord, I thank you that we are open to receive your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you will protect our hearts and minds as we receive this word. And I pray that you will break it up into a million pieces, Lord, that every one of us will hear something that we need to hear this morning. We are hungry for you, Lord. We are hungry for your voice in our lives. And we pray, Father, that you will come and heal us of anything inside of our hearts, Lord, that is preventing us from moving forward in life, preventing us from having healthy relationships, preventing us from flourishing in our relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you will speak through me, Lord, and have your way in each one of us, in Jesus' name. And we'll say, amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm talking about a word that I said to the team this morning, you know, as you, as you minister the Word of God, you learn very quickly that will Lord, the Lord will never let you speak on a message that He hasn't tasted in you first, and that you will not be continuously tasted on all the time, because otherwise there's no anointing. If I have not gone through it, then there would be no anointing when I share it with you. And so this morning, I want to talk about the topic of offense, and my title is The Prison of Offense. The prison of offense. And literally as I was praying and I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, wow, this is huge. Um, <laughs> how do I go about it? Why do I, where do I start? And I literally saw just, just in, my, in my mind's eye, in my spirit, I saw a picture of a heart. Like I could see it beating, but I could see it like in a jail, like literally like a jail cell. And that's where that little picture came from. That's what it looked like to me. And as I journeyed and as I opened up scripture and I asked the Lord to continue to speak to me about it, I felt he spoke to me about the danger of a spirit of offense. And when we don't deal with a spirit of offense, it actually entraps us into an emotional and a spiritual prison. And the problem when we get into an emotional and a spiritual prison is that it actually not only blocks us from having healthy relationships, you know, whether with your spouse or family members, children, colleagues, but it also blocks us in our flow, in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because it, it becomes like a spiritual blockage on the inside and we struggle to have Holy Spirit flow through us. We struggle to have Holy Spirit speak. We struggle to, we struggle to hear His voice. He doesn't struggle to speak. We struggle to hear and this is something that we probably, this is probably one of the most important sermons we'll ever hear. And I remember when I first started serving in church in Cape Town, it was a couple of years ago, and our senior pastor was based in Australia, and he spoke, probably every third team meeting, he spoke about offense. All the time, all the time, all the time, and now I know why. <laughs> so this is going to be like heart surgery. But I want to say this, that remember the reason why the Lord corrects us sometimes, the reason why the Lord comes with a bit of heart surgery is so that we can walk in healing, is so that we can get to a place of freedom. Because God's heart is not for us ever to live in bondage. God's heart is never ever for us to live 
in an emotional or a spiritual prison because God's heart is relationships. If you think about a picture of the cross, this vertical line represents our relationship with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. But the horizontal line represents our relationships with each other. And both are very, very important to the Lord. And I want to read you this scripture, Proverbs 18, verse 19. And I read it in the New Living Translation, or New, is it? Yeah, New Living Translation. And it says the following. By the way, our notes are on new version. So you can follow. I made details notes, detailed notes for this sermon. So an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. And arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. That's a profound scripture. And that is the picture that I saw. Literally a heart behind these bars, like in this prison, locked up, confined. Now, before we get into the details, what is offense? And Afrikaans noem ons het aanstoot. Kan nou aanstoot gevat met jou, met jou comment, nee? Offense, what is offense? The dictionary actually says it's an annoyance or a resentment brought about by a perceived insult or a disregard for oneself. A feeling of indignation, irritation, dislike, disgruntlement, to take something personally, to feel wounded, to feel affronted, and generally to feel annoyed or hurt by what someone had said or done, or what they had not said or done. Who's been in that place where you feel even offended because someone had not done? <laughs> okay, so I just want to put in a disclaimer before we go too deep. When we speak about offense, there are generally two areas that we talk about. The first is when someone actually genuinely hurt us. Okay, they hurt us through their actions, through their words. Something they said was actually very mean. It was actually very hurtful. We actually really were hurt. But there's also a second area where sometimes we feel hurt and we feel wounded because of what we perceive to be the truth. What we assume to be the truth. And often it's not the truth. Okay? So uh, I believe the principles that, that the Lord gave me out of his word on how do we deal with this will actually be applicable to all of those areas. But I want to particularly focus on the little things. The little things that we tend to perceive that is not the truth. Because I think it happens, I think all of us can attest to this, it happens on a daily basis. This can happen on an hourly basis if we are not careful. Okay. So I also want to say, my second disclaimer is this. The context of this morning's word, I am actually not talking about real abuse. So in other words, if someone finds themselves in a physical abusive relationship, I'm not saying don't take offense and just leave it. Obviously, that's not a scenario that we are talking about this morning. For that, there is a whole other tactic. There is a whole other strategy. Someone needs to be physically removed if their life is in harm's way. You know, I'm not talking about if anyone has gone through extreme trauma, a traumatic event. That's for another day. What I want to talk about today, the Bible calls it the little foxes that spoil the vine. 
Does everyone, does everyone agree with that? Does it make sense? So I'm talking about the everyday little things. You know, it could be between me and my spouse, me and my kids, the teacher at school, my colleague, the person, we were speaking about traffic this morning, the person in front of me in the traffic, you know, it could be those kind of things, the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's what we want to focus on this morning. Do you know, the reality of the little things is that it can be the little things that can grow into the biggest things. If we are not careful and if we do not pay attention to what is going on inside of our hearts. Because remember, the Lord is interested in our hearts. And I think sometimes even in church, I've been there. You can be so offended, you can be so angry, but you're in the front row, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And literally, you can be smiling at everyone and everyone can see, oh, she looks fine, everything looks fine, everything is great, everything's hunky-dory. But who sees what's going on inside of the heart? The Lord knows. And the Lord is interested in the hidden things of our hearts because that is where he wants to bring healing, and that is where he wants to bring restoration. Okay, Jesus, or the, uh, Proverbs 4, 23, I think it says, guard your heart above all else, because everything in life flows from that place. Amen? Listen to this, Matthew 24, verse 10, and this is in the Amplified. Jesus is actually speaking to his disciples, and he's giving them a warning. And Johanna spoke about the end times and the bride being prepared two weeks ago. And this is Jesus speaking about the signs of the end of the times. And he says this. And then at the end of the age, so when we get to the end times, which we believe we are here, then many will be offended. Also for context, he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers. He's talking about Christians like us. Many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him who they ought to trust and obey. And they will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. And the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. That's a scary scripture. That is Jesus warning the disciples. He's saying at the end of the times, just before Jesus comes back, this is what will happen in the church. A spirit of offense will come into the church. And if it is not dealt with quickly and properly, it will corrupt many. The love of the believers will grow cold. And Jesus said, by our love, we will be known that we are his disciples. So if we lose our love, we will not look like disciples anymore. Will we actually then still be a disciple? What else does he say? He says that sin will abound. Lawlessness will increase. I mean, we can see this in the global church all around the world. Sin will abound. Um, he said that brothers and sisters will betray one another. The fights will not be happening on the outside of the church walls. You know, people in the world, that's their problem. The problem for us in the church is when we start to fight, when we start to have quarrels and issues between one another. And many will be deceived. You know, I am shocked. I don't know who's noticed on social media. 
Sometimes you scroll and you're just having a beautiful day and you come across something where Christians are literally swearing at each other, calling each other terrible names. I mean, I was like, I saw a post two weeks ago and I thought to myself, is anyone saved? (laughs) Does anyone know Jesus? It is scary how cruel Christians can be. And that's none of us. I'm just saying, (laughs) everyone knows people like that, ne? But the Greek word that is used for offense in that scripture is scandalon. Scandalon. So what that word actually, when you look it up in the Strongs, what that actually means, it means the following. It means it is a stumbling block, an impediment placed in the way, causing someone to fall or to stumble. So it's like hitting your foot on a rock. That's offense. And a second meaning is a movable stick or a trigger of a trap. The part of the trap where you put the bait on. So you know like a mouse trap? That little thing where you put the cheese on. That is the scandal on. That is what the Bible speaks of when it speaks of offense. It is like a bait. When you bite on it, it'll entrap you. It'll put you in a prison, an emotional, a spiritual prison. Offense is probably the number one weapon that the enemy uses inside of the church to bring division, to sow hatred among brothers, and to break up a spirit of unity and agreement in the church. And honestly, church, I have seen this. It is absolutely true. We have seen churches split up because of offense. We have seen marriages break up because of offense. We have seen families split up because of a spirit of offense. It is a nasty, dark thing from the pit of hell. And you know what? Jesus said, be warned, it will be there. But he's also given us instructions on how to deal with it. He's also given us his word to explain to us, when you sense, when you sense that thing happens, this is how you can get out of that trap. Because all of us will fall into that trap at some point or another. I mean, even just last week. (laughs) Praise the Lord, I'll get to that. Okay, so it says any person or thing by which one is entrapped or drawn into error. Perry Stone is a, is a well-known American minister of the word, and, and he explains it the following way, and I just thought this was so, so great. He said, we derive English word, the English word scandal from this word scandal on. So when a trap is set for an animal, there is a camouflage to hide it from the sight of the unsuspecting creature. Okay, so you and I are the unsuspecting creature, and the enemy hides, he camouflages the offense, okay, that he wants to, and remember, he uses people. He uses people to do it, and he will use people in the church, okay, and the smell draws the animal like a magnet off its journey to investigate the bait, and suddenly, the trap will catch the animal. So I thought that was such a powerful explanation that we smell the bait, And when we go for it, it'll actually take us off course to investigate the smell. So it's like he uses a fence to lure us in to this trap. And what is the enemy's plan? I think we need to, we never want to glorify him. We glorify Jesus. But it's very important, and we are always going to be a church that speaks about the spiritual realm. Because I grew up in a traditional church, and truth be told, I was never told that this is how the spiritual realm works, okay? 
Sometimes we think we are fighting people. We think we're fighting our spouse. We think we're fighting the person next to us. But remember that the, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we are not fi- you know, fighting a war against flesh and blood. We are fighting a war in the spiritual realm. Amen? So in the spiritual realm against rulers and powers and authorities of darkness. That's the devil. It's not the Lord. It's the devil. Okay? That's the war that we are fighting. And so many Christians are actually very ignorant about this. And that's why we see so much chaos in the church often. And then the unbelievers look at us and they're like, well, we don't want what you have. Because all you have is criticism and fighting and bickering. And, you know, we don't like this denomination. We think they are that. And we think we're the best. And that is not God's heart. That is not God's heart for his body, for the church to function. But what is the enemy's plan? John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and life in abundance. But I sat with the Lord again with the word this week, and I got such a revelation again about what is it that he comes to steal and kill and destroy? What is his aim with a weapon of offense? Does he just want you in a prison? Well, maybe, because then you're ineffective. But what has he come to destroy? He's coming to destroy unity and agreement among believers. Because the Bible says in Matthew 18, I don't think I have that scripture. Do I have Matthew 18 in there? Okay, Niak, thank you. Matthew 18, 90 to 20 says, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree on Anything. If two of you agree, we're talking about believers, children of God, agree on anything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Unity and agreement is probably the biggest power we have in the church, and that is why the enemy wants to come and destroy it. And don't think he'll start just, you know, randomly. Where will he start? He will start in marriages. He will start between leaders, one another. Because that's where the authority in the church is at. He will start volunteers among one another. That's where he wants to start. Psalm 133 says that where there is unity, the Lord commands a blessing. It's like the oil of Aaron's beard flowing from the top of the leaders down to every single member in the church. When you are a son and a daughter in this house and there is a unity and there is an anointing, you will see the anointing on your life. But if there is constant division sown by offense, different things like that, it will break up the power of that unity. It will break up the power of that agreement. And then we cannot be as effective as we need to be because the Lord doesn't command his blessing on division. He commands his blessing on unity. Amen. Amos 3.3 says that, how can two walk together unless they agree on the direction? So that's a powerful principle, number one, if you're writing notes, to know that the power of unity, and that's why even in a marriage, my goodness, where there is unity, man, God will take your marriage, he will take the calling of your family to a whole nother level, where there is unity, where there is unity. So what does the enemy want to do and how does he do it? 
We said he wants to destroy unity, spouses, leaders, volunteers, friends, family members, parents and children, business partners, colleagues, because he fears the power of our unity and our agreement. And often the enemy comes very subtle, okay? You don't know when you're going to walk into a trap, right? It's camouflage. So you are going about your every day, and someone just says something little, and the enemy comes and he whispers, because where is the battlefield? It is in the mind. And oftentimes I've seen in my life, sometimes even in my marriage, <laughs> we've spoken about this a lot. Sometimes Johannes will say something that he literally didn't mean it in any other way. And I've noticed sometimes the enemy will come because maybe it's an area where we've had a discussion on before. Or maybe we've had a disagreement about something. We've already reconciled, sorted it out. But the enemy will come like he did with Eve and he will say, I actually think Johannes meant it that way. Ne? Okay, all the married people. But this is not just for married people. This is for anyone. This can be, be in your workplace. This could be between you and your colleagues. Okay, if you work in a team, your children. It can be through anyone. He will sow thoughts of discord. Sometimes someone doesn't even know that you're offended by what they said or what they did because we start to then meditate on that thought as if it is the truth. And then we end up, I've done this, I've had this whole argument in my head, and he's completely unaware. He doesn't even know what went on. He was just going about his day. In Akkas and the Flatspin, where, what will I say? Can anyone relate or is it just me? And this is how he operates. This is how he operates. He did the same thing with Eve. I read through Genesis 1 the other day, and I just laughed to myself, and I thought, oh, yesy. Here he goes. They're going about their normal day, and he comes, and they're being very obedient. They're doing exactly what God said, enjoying the garden, prachtach. And he comes to Eve, and he says, did God really say? One thought, did God really say? Well, obviously God did say because she heard him. So what does he do? He sows doubt. He sows confusion. Did God really say? Now she begins to think about that thought. Well, maybe did God say? Did God really say? I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did not. And then the Bible actually says she was convinced. She was convinced. And that convicted me because I think I have been convinced sometimes about something that someone had said or done, but I listened to the voice of the enemy telling me that she didn't greet you this morning. She actually doesn't like you at all. Now, this is how it goes. And that's how nooit imke wees. But this is what the enemy wants to do. Now I start meditating, and later on, I am fully convinced of the narrative in my mind that Imka hates me, and now I let that offense literally grow in my heart. No ding. And it's becoming bigger, and it's becoming bigger. And now every time I see her, I'm thinking, Okay? And so later on, I'm not dealing with this thing. It's growing, it's growing, and it grows into resentment. Resentment grows into bitterness. Bitterness is a spiritual cancer. If that thing grows, now it goes into full-on hatred. 
And then people are surprised. Sometimes I just kill someone. Where did that come from? It may have started three years ago with offense. But I allowed it to fester in my heart and grow to a place so big that now I'm actually hating that person. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants us divided. He wants us hating one another. He wants us to gossip about one another. He wants us to be rude to one another. Because he knows then the spirit cannot flow through us, number one. And we cannot see the manifestation of God's power. And that's what he's afraid of. Can we see the bait? And what the enemy then actually does is he comes with accusation. And we see this a lot in counseling, especially in marriages. And, you know, we've had situations where we've realized, okay, the enemy is actually accusing each other to the other one. He will, he will speak to me about, you know, I actually think Johannes' motive was that and that and that. Or, you know, did you know he was doing this again? Or different things like that, where it's completely not the truth, but he will come with a spirit of accusation. And we react out of our emotions to that voice, to those thoughts. And then it becomes an issue. Amen? Eve was convinced. And what is interesting is that he didn't even try hard. He just gave one thought. Just one thought. But why do we get so easily offended? We get offended with people. We get offended with ourselves. We get offended by the government. Okay, now they've done this and the vaccine this and we get offended. Now in traffic we get offended. In the grocery store, someone took the last basket at Chikash. No sick offended. Okay. She could see I was aiming for it first. I get offended with neighbors. They're making noise. I was offended. Okay. Preaching can offend us. Glory. The giving message can offend me. Okay. And even God can offend us. He doesn't give the offense, but we take the offense. So why do we get offended so easily? And I've seen reasons in my own life, and there could be different reasons for all of us. But what we see the most when it comes to counseling and we deal with offense and things like that, it can be wounds from the past. So it's like, what is the English word for a splinter? If there's a splinter in my finger, a sticky out under my felony. You don't notice it's there unless it presses against something. Then you feel the pain, right? So it's the same with wounds in our heart. We can have wounds and bruises from our past, from our childhood, from previous relationships, from a previous church, from, you know, different places. We pick up wounds and we become bruised. And oftentimes it's lying there. The bruise is there, but we don't feel it. Unless someone else presses on it. Unless someone triggers something that presses on that bruise. And we won't know it's there until someone presses. The second reason why I think we often get offended is because oftentimes we have unrealistic expectations. I've really struggled with this in my own life. I had very, very high expectations of people. 
And when we got married, I quickly realized how high they were. <laughs> Johannes realized <laughs> how high they were. So sometimes we can have such high expectations. And this person that we are expecting these things of are not even aware of our expectations because we've never communicated it. So we keep getting offended at something they do or they don't do, but they've got no idea that we're even expecting that. Amen? Sometimes we can get offended because of perceptions and assumptions. Something that we perceive to be a reality, but we've never actually had a conversation to find out maybe something was going on in Imke's life that morning that she didn't even see me. Okay, but sometimes we are so occupied with ourselves, we think the entire world resolves around me. And we think that everything everyone does and says or don't do and don't say and revolves around us. And assumption is probably one of the most dangerous things. The Lord showed me even when we started this church, stop assuming things. Rather go and have a conversation, ask a question, confront if we need to. And we're going to talk about healthy confrontation because that's also an exciting topic that no one wants to talk about. Sometimes we get offended because of rebellion in our hearts. You know, I might be offended when they talk about money in the church because actually I've got a heart that doesn't want to give. So it's an area that I, I haven't let the Lord in on yet. So my heart is hard in that area. And so when, when I hear the seed of the word about that topic, it'll actually just bounce off because I haven't allowed the Lord to come in and to make me tender in that area. So sometimes we can have a rebellion in our heart. Sometimes I refuse to take responsibility in an area of my life that I'm struggling in. And now someone comes and says, hey, it actually bothers me that you do X, Y, Z. And I get offended that they are even telling me that. But I'm offended not because they're telling the truth, but because I don't want to hear it. It's an area that I need to change in, but I don't want to take ownership and I don't want to take responsibility to change. That can sometimes happen. And so by not dealing with offense, a spirit of offense, it grows inside of us. It's a sleeper sin, I once hear someone said. A sleeper sin. The enemy uses offense to trap us, and he lures us into a condition where our heart becomes hard. And that scripture, Proverbs 18, 19, speaks about a strong city, a fortified city. And so in the old days, when they would, in the biblical times, when they would build these old cities and they would have these fortified cities, what would happen? People would literally run inside of, they would have these huge walls around these buildings. And they would literally run into these cities, these, these strong towers, these buildings inside of the walls because that is where they would find safety inside the walls and it is very hard almost impossible for the enemy to come in or anyone who wants to take over the city and actually conquer the city because of the strong fortified walls around it and so what happens when you and I take offense and we are left in this prison we don't deal with it and it grows and it grows we actually start to build walls around our heart that's why it's called a prison. We build walls around our heart because we are fleeing to safety. Because sometimes, especially when it touches on that bruise or it touches on something sensitive where we have been hurt before or a wound that hasn't been healed, we want to protect ourselves. That's our automatic reaction in the soul. And when we want to protect ourselves, 
we put up a wall. And what is the problem with the wall? I'm actually blocking out anyone else who wants to come close to my heart. And I'm also blocking out the Lord. And when I'm blocking out the Lord, the Holy Spirit cannot actually flow through me. I struggle to hear his voice. I struggle to have him move through me. And offense causes offense. There's the story of Cain and Abel. They took offense. Cain took offense that the Lord accepted Abel's offering. And he eventually killed his own brother. After the Lord warned him that your heart has become dejected. And he ignored the Lord's warning and he let it grow and grow and grow. And he eventually killed his own brother. Because that spirit of offense was allowed to linger and linger. And it grew into resentment. It grew into bitterness. It grew into anger. How do I know I was offended and carry offense in my heart? Some signs include I withdraw myself from people. I withdraw myself from a relationship. I withdraw myself from the church and from other fellow believers. We've seen this in church so many times. I can immediately tell when someone is offended. I don't even need a spirit of discernment. I can see it on your face. I can see it in your behavior. I can see it how you're just drifting. You're just gone -ish. It's so dangerous. The Bible says in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 18 also, it says that a man who isolates himself runs away from judgment. Like it's actually dangerous for us to be isolated. We know that we were offended because sometimes we don't know we're offended. Amen? Sometimes we don't realize because it's so deep in our heart. But we will realize it if we start to withdraw, number one. Number two, we will realize what is coming out of our mouth. You'll realize for me, I often know that I'm offended because I constantly start to speak negative words, constantly. Negative, negative, negative. And number three, second to that is I become critical. I become very critical of people and judgmental. And you can find fault in anything that they do. Okay, it, they probably don't even have to do anything, just the way that they look, you find fault with. That's when you know I've allowed a spirit of offense in my heart. Distrust. Maybe a church leader hurt you or someone in the church hurt you. Now you don't trust any church, any church leader. It happens. We've had people tell us that. Oh, do you want to come to church? No, sorry. Someone had hurt me. I'm never going back to church again. And that breaks my heart. And I believe it breaks the Lord's heart. So... How do I actually then deal with offense? Sorry, there's one more point. How do I know I was offended? The fifth one is unanswered prayers. Unanswered prayers. Mark 11, verse 24 to 25. Dit is eindelijk belangrijk, so I can't dit uitlossen. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But... Everyone say, but. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. Eh. Everyone wants to read verse 24. No one wants to read verse 25. First forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. How do I deal with an offense? 
I think the first thing that I've learned from the Lord in my own heart where I've been tested on this many times, and we will, we will always be tested on this, so we might as well preach this every, every three weeks. Number one is I actually need to take ownership of the fact that I did take offense. I need to be honest with what happened inside of my heart, and I need to repent of it. In other words, repentance means I actually bring it before the Lord and I take ownership and I say, Lord, I am so sorry. I have actually taken offense. It doesn't matter if it was a bruise. It doesn't matter of how you took it. But repentance is the first step towards healing and towards reconciliation. Holding on to an offense is a sin. And with any sin, James 5 said, when we confess our sins to one another, We can pray for one another and we will be healed. Number two, we need to be quick to forgive. Ephesians 26 to verse 27 says the following. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So in other words, when I hold on to this thing, it actually gives the the enemy legal right to come in and kill and destroy something in my life. And don't think he will only stop at destroying unity in that relationship. He will come in for everything. A thief doesn't come in and just ask nicely just for your TV. No, no. He comes in for everything of value. Verse 28. Oh, no. I think there's verse 31. Verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. It did it. I think there was 32, but I don't think I gave it to them. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So, You know, I heard a couple once say that, you know, the scripture says don't hold anger um, until the sun goes down. And I heard them and she said, well, actually, they were both ministers of the word. They are very famous. And she said, actually, we stayed up all night because we would allow the sun to come up. Okay, she wouldn't go to bed because the Bible says don't, don't let anger until the sun goes down. So she said, we stayed up all night so we can sort it out. But the point is this. Forgiveness is necessary. Because what happens when I stay in a place of unforgiveness? Unforgiveness, and we've seen this in counseling, we've seen this in ministry, we do this when we do liberating truths. Unforgiveness is the root of so many physical ailments, illnesses, cancers, um, heart problems, physical problems that people have in their bodies because of a root of bitterness and unforgiveness. Joyce Meyer always says, when I refuse to forgive someone when they hurt me or when I perceive that they hurt me, it's like drinking poison yourself hoping the other person will die. It is a poison on the inside of us that will destroy us if we do not let go. And I want to add this disclaimer. I know we said in the beginning we're not necessarily now talking about trauma events. We're not talking about things like 
you know, your spouse actually committed adultery against you. Yes, forgiveness, absolutely. But there is also other things in play. There is boundaries, healthy boundaries in different situations. There is trust that has to be rebuilt, transparency that has to be restored. We're not talking about all of that today. But we are talking about forgiving and being quick to release people of these little foxes. These everyday things that can come and try and steal our unity. So we said we need to repent. We need to be quick to forgive. Number three, we need to learn healthy confrontation. I think the thing that most people struggle with, and I really struggled with this as well, is to actually learn how to healthily confront a situation. What is important, if I'm going to confront my church leader, if I'm going to confront or actually take a situation to a brother or a sister or a spouse, I actually need to pray beforehand. Because when we are angry and we are reacting out of emotion, we can only make things worse. It's not the right time. Sometimes when our husbands come home or your wife comes home and she's had a hectic day with the children and there's diapers everywhere, that's probably not a good time to confront just a tip okay so we pray beforehand we ask the lord lord please prepare their heart please prepare my heart please give me the words to say give me the right tone help me communicate in love because here's the problem 1 peter 3 verse 7 says that for men if you don't treat your wife right the lord will actually not hear your prayers I'm not picking on the men. The same goes for women. But that's what the scripture says. When we are not treating each other right, it actually affects the Lord. He doesn't like it. So he's very serious about this in relationships. And in Matthew 18, Jesus said, When a brother sins against you, take him aside privately first. Because what do we sometimes do? <laughs> I've seen this with someone that I know very well. They go to Facebook. But then they post a message, but not mention a name. Okay, now everyone is sitting wondering, is she talking about me? You know, okay, that, that's not how the Bible suggests that we deal with conflict or deal with offense. You go to that person. You pray. You wait for the right time. And you go to that person privately. Because why? God's heart is to cover, to conceal. Okay, if you have a problem with me or Johannes, probably not a good idea to take the microphone and share with the whole church. Come to us privately because maybe it's a misperception. Maybe it's miscommunication. Maybe there is something that we need to say sorry for and we need to be able to do it. Okay, so take the person aside privately and the Lord says that then if they don't listen to you, go and get two or three witnesses. Not 300 friends on Facebook, two and three witnesses. And then you sort it out. And then there is a process of discipline, of restoration, of reconciliation. We don't have time to go into all of that. Number four, forgiveness is a choice, not an emotion. Number five, we actually need to release people. And I want to have the team get ready to prepare communion for us this morning. Because I want to pray with some people who has experienced offense in their life. The team can just hand out the communion for us. And, you know, here's the reality, church. All of us have wounds. All of us have been hurt in some area. 
All of us have bad days where we speak words that we don't mean, where we speak in a tone that is not really our heart. But I believe the Lord wants to give us an opportunity this morning to let go of some things. There is currently keeping us in a place of an emotional and a spiritual prison. Someone also said once, hurting people hurt people. And what I have found is that if I'm offended at someone and someone really hurt my feelings or hurt my intent, that I tend to want to speak back to them. But what the Lord has shown me sometimes is that people react out of their own hurts and out of their own wounds. And forgiveness never means justification of what that person did. It doesn't mean it's okay what they did. Sometimes there's boundaries that need to be put in place. Sometimes there's trust that has to be rebuilt. You hear my heart. But He wants us to look deep into our hearts this morning. And if there are little foxes that have kept us bound, that have kept us from having a healthy relationship with someone specific or with the Lord Himself, I really felt in my heart that He wants to break down some walls this morning. Amen. He wants to break down some walls this morning. And one of the most powerful things we can do, because sometimes forgiveness is very hard. It depends on the situation. It depends on how big or how little that fox was. But something happens in the spiritual realm when I release someone with my words and a decision. And I start to pray for them. And you know, sometimes this is very hard. You will find yourself praying through gritted teeth. Lord bless them. That's okay. Then you start at that place. And you pray until your teeth, your jaws unlock. You continue to pray. Because something happens in the spiritual realm. That the moment I release someone, the moment I put that offense, I let that rock go out of my heart. The Lord can actually go to work. He can go and He can convict. He can bring them to a place of repentance. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. We cannot do that with our words. In a marriage, I keep coming back to a marriage, but Johannes and I have seen this. We cannot convince one another. When we start praying for one another, the Lord comes. And we actually then release the Lord to do what only He can do in that situation to bring reconciliation, to bring forgiveness. Because that is God's heart. He wants us to get back to a place of reconciliation. Because in that unity, in that agreement, there is power. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes this morning and I'm going to pray for some people. One of the most important things when we talk about forgiveness is to understand that we can only forgive if we understand how we have been forgiven. And this morning I'm going to pray if there is anyone in this room and you've never received the forgiveness of Christ. You've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Because what happens, the Bible says that we were all born sinners. 
We all fell under the curse of sin because of what Eve did that day when the enemy deceived her. We were born into sin and we cannot receive eternal life unless we accept that Jesus paid for that punishment because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, spiritual death. And so Jesus came to die on a cross for us so you and I don't have to do it. And if there is anyone here this morning and you've never received that gift of eternal life, you've never received the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible says that when we receive Jesus, we become children of God. If there's anyone here this morning that wants to make a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand and I just want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I want us to all pray this corporate prayer together. Father, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. That even though I was born a sinner, I can now be born again because of your forgiveness. I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness this morning. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that I am now a child of God. Thank you, Lord. And I want to lead us in a second prayer before we, you can just hold on to your communion. I want to lead us into a prayer of forgiveness this morning. And I want everyone to keep your eyes closed to give everyone privacy this morning. If you are sitting here this morning and you felt like this message spoke to your heart and you feel like the Lord is laying something, you're seeing a person in front of you, you're seeing something that you know, I have actually taken offense over this and I've not dealt with this in my heart. It could be anything. It could be the littlest thing. It could be the biggest thing. It could be more than one thing. I want you to just gently raise your hand and we're going to pray a corporate prayer together. Thank you, Lord. And I want you to see this thing inside of you. I want you to, in the spirit, just put it before you and take this person's face and just see yourself putting this at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for taking and holding on to offense. I'm sorry for high expectations. I'm sorry for reacting the way that I've done. Please show me if there are wounds in my heart that you want to heal. Lord, I know my battle is not against flesh and blood but against the evil rulers of darkness. I rebuke the enemy for trying to cause division in my relationships. I will resist him and he will flee from me. Please give me discernment to see the traps of offense. I release this person 
I'm letting them go. I'm giving you this offense. I will no longer be angry or resentful or bitter. I pray that you will help me to heal my heart, to heal my emotions, and to see this person the way you see them. Lord, I bless them today. I bless them in their coming in and in their going out. Fill them with your spirit. Guide them in your wisdom. And I give them to you in Jesus' name. And you can receive your communion this morning. And I'm just going to pray as we receive the elements together. And Father, we thank you for your body that was broken on the cross for us, Lord. Your body that was broken for us. And Father, through your body, we can receive healing. We can receive wholeness. We can receive restoration, Lord, for our emotions, for our soul, for our spirit, and for our body. And we receive your bread together this morning. And Jesus, we thank you for your blood. Your blood that was spilled on the cross for us, Lord. And Lord, we recognize the power of your blood giving us eternal life, but also cleansing us, Lord, from the inside out. And Lord, we receive it together as a church family this morning, and we pray, Father, that you will heal our hearts, that you would make us strong, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with wisdom. Fill us with love and help us to not grow cold, Lord so that we can fulfill the purposes that you've got on our lives, Lord. The purposes that you have for us as a church. For your kingdom, for the city of Vintuk, for the nation of Namibia, for every single family, every single child in this nation. And we receive it together now. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that even if it is hard to hear, Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will be the preacher in the week as we chew on this word, Lord, as we meditate on your scriptures, as we meditate and understand what it means for us in our daily relationships. And Father, I pray that we will be a people, Lord, that would be healed and that would be whole, Lord, and that we will not be the ones causing the offense either but that we will be careful, Lord, to not take the bait. And Father, I thank you for breaking down any walls around our hearts, Lord. Father, would you bless every person in this room? I pray that your spirit would go and you would send your angels ahead of them, behind them and around them. In this week, Lord, and may all they do touch, um, turn to gold, Lord. Would you bless them in every endeavor, Lord, and may they live completely according to your will. May they hear your voice like never before. 
Lord, I thank you for healing of relationships. I thank you for restoration of relationships in Jesus' name. We honor your name. We bless you. And everyone said, Amen.